Welcome to another episode of Search News You Can Use with me, Dr. Marie Haynes. We have a lot of stuff to cover in this episode. There's been a lot of really interesting things that Google has done, um, some neat tips from the SEO community. We're going to talk about uh, an algorithm update, probably two significant algorithm updates, and also this controversy over whether Google uses information from the Better Business Bureau in uh, ranking matters. So um, hopefully you'll find this interesting. I think this is really going to be a great episode. So let's start first by talking about algorithm updates. Uh, I know somebody tweeted the other day that for Barry Schwartz and I, it would probably be easier if we reported on the weeks that didn't have an algorithm update um, as opposed to those that did, uh, because it seems like pretty much every week now we have some type of algorithm update. And, um, you know, these are all, when I report on an algorithm update, it's always because it seems to be something significant. And sometimes it's hard to know in in um, advance, which of these updates are the ones that are going to be bringing lots of attention to uh, the update in the in the weeks to come? Uh, there was an update on um, November twelfth. I want uh, some sites I think saw changes as early as November tenth of uh, two thousand and eighteen, and. This really wasn't covered that much by much of the SEO community. I'm not even sure if Barry Schwartz had written much about an update on this day. But when I looked back at the sites that we review in Google Analytics, there's a large number of sites that saw changes on this day. And we're really happy to see that uh, a good number of these sites are clients of ours that we've been trying to help uh, see improvements. Many of them are sites that were previously hit by an algorithm update, uh, some type of quality update. And they saw really nice gains starting November 12th. Now, I have to tell you that some of these sites, uh, the gains are a little bit seasonal. I mean, um, in the week coming up now, it's American Thanksgiving. And so if you're an e-commerce store, people are starting to gear up towards buying. Uh, you know, they're looking at Black Friday stuff. They're um, trying to figure out where they're going to buy their Christmas gifts online. So when I was looking at uh, which sites had actually seen improvements, I had to spend some time to look at seasonal changes as well. And we did see some sites that normally see a jump up starting the week before Black Friday, the week before Thanksgiving. And uh, these sites, if I've reported on them, they saw improvements, but better improvements than they saw the year before. Um, so I don't think that what I'm seeing is just seasonal changes. Uh, we really did see a good chunk of clients that uh, saw some improvements. We did also see a couple of sites that saw further drops. Um, there's a couple of sites that we think have trust issues. Uh, one of them is a site that really doesn't disclose how they make money. Um, and uh, that's something that's in the quality raters guidelines as uh, is it clear what the beneficial purpose of your site is. Um, now, I don't think you have to go shouting on every single page, you know, here, click this link and you're going to make us some money. Um, but it has to be clear. So if, if a user comes to your site and they're like, oh, here's some great information on such and such, but really you have this ulterior motive to funnel them as a lead to somewhere else. That needs to be clear because people don't like to be um, tricked in any sort of way. The other interesting thing about this update is we did see some jumps for a couple of sites where all we've done is a disavow. Uh, and these are sites that I'm pretty sure are not actively working on overall site quality. So I do think that this update had a little bit to do with links as well, which doesn't surprise me because I think 
uh, as of early October this year, Google has really started making it so that they figure out which links they can trust and which links they want to pass page rank through. So, um, you know, what is this update about? It's really hard to say. I think it was just a general overall quality update. And if your site was negatively affected on November 12th or thereabouts, then you really want to take a look at everything. Um, some of the sites that we saw make improvements, we didn't really focus heavily on the quality raters guidelines, but instead we worked on um, improving technical things, trimming out thin content, which really is a part of the quality raters guidelines as well. But um, what I'm trying to say is this wasn't completely EAT. Uh, and, and speaking of which, some of you might have seen, if you follow me on Twitter or uh, I'm new on Instagram as well, uh, I just posted a uh, picture we were driving the other day and passed a car that said uh, the license plate said I love EAT <laughs> not I love to eat it said I love EAT so uh, I took a picture and said I swear it's not my car um, because you know we're very very bullish on EAT these days um, so I think uh, the the key point in this algorithm update is there was some sort of reassessment of quality that Google did at this time. Uh, it looks like there was also an algorithm update November 16th. This was just before the weekend. Um, as I'm recording this, it's early Monday morning. I haven't taken time to look at sites that were affected on November 16th, but there was a lot of chatter in SEO forums on something happening here. So I will report back on that next week, but I anticipate that this is going to be quite a a significant update. It was an interesting tweet by Cyrus Shepard. Every time Cyrus tweets something, I learn something, you know, and so I always pay attention to uh, his tweets. He did a poll where he asked people whether the medic update, so that's the August 1st update, uh, had a positive impact on the search results or um, are the search results worse now? And it was interesting because 43% of the people who answered this poll said that the search results are worse. Uh, 40% said they stayed the same and only 18% said they were better now. So we have looked at hundreds of sites that have been affected by the August 1st update. And I can tell you that a lot of these sites that previously were ranking really well had no uh, reason to rank well. Um, Google has definitely removed a lot of sites that had spammy products, uh, sites that existed just because somebody was good at SEO as opposed to being really good at um, making a business uh, something that people want to see and, and, and that is helpful to people. I'm not sure I agree that the search results have gotten worse. I think this poll is a little bit biased because we're polling SEOs and uh, yeah, if you were you know previously be able to SEO a mediocre business to the top of the search results and now you're not doing so well of course it's going to look like things aren't good with that said some of the sites that have come to us that have seen significant drops either on August 1st, September 27th, or any of these other quality updates were actually really good sites. We've seen some sites drop that we really, uh, you know, if I was choosing how to rank sites, I would rank these sites relatively highly and they're still seeing drops. So what I think, I mean, I think this is a very, very early start to something new in the search results. This whole idea of Google algorithmically determining trust is, um, you know, that's kind of a new thing. And of course, there are going to be cases where they don't get it right. So if you did see drops and you legitimately have a good, solid business, don't be surprised if things improve in the future. I mean, I can't promise you that, uh, but I do think that Google is trying to get it right. So initially, their goal was to make it so that, um, I, I'm assuming their goal is this, so that sites that 
uh, are potentially harmful to people or, um, you know, would take your money and maybe not allow you to have a refund or something like that, um, that those sites are demoted. And I think some good sites got demoted as a result um, just because they fit into this algorithm, you know, whatever changes they've made. So I think we're going to be seeing a lot of changes in the uh, weeks and months to come, uh, which is exciting for us. We love to stay on top of uh, all these things that Google's doing, um, but not so exciting for those of you who have been suffering drops. So hang in there. I really do think that uh, things are going to get better. Um, some new information from uh, Chrome. Uh, I just started playing around with the audit tab, uh, which is a relatively new thing in Chrome. So if you go to Chrome and you go to the dev tools, the developer tools, you can find this tab called audits and it's actually pretty cool. It has uh, information about page speed and how to improve your page speed, but it has a ton of other stuff. There's actually an SEO score. Um, tells you things like whether you're using your meta descriptions properly, whether you're mobile friendly, uh, whether your structured data has issues. So that's one of my tasks this week is to actually um, modify our template that we use for doing our site quality reviews so that we can actually take advantage of some of this information that's coming from the Google search results. Uh, and hopefully in the weeks to come, I can report back to you and tell you whether uh, we're finding this more helpful than uh, some of the other tools that we use. So we use a bunch of tools. I really like the SEMrush site audit tool as a very quick way to audit a site. Um, sometimes we can find, you know, if there's issues with canonical tags or hreflang, things like that, we can find that. Um, and I'm a big, big fan of Sitebulb. Uh, congratulations to Sitebulb. They won a couple of awards at the U.S. Search Awards. Uh, Sitebulb is pretty cool. Um, I mean, I think my favorite part of Sitebulb is the crawl maps that uh, they give. But the other cool thing about Sitebulb, and I'm, I apologize, this is not a paid ad by any means. I just, um, I'm a big user of the tool. And uh, Patrick Hathaway, who's one of the creators of the tool, keeps trying to get me to trade in fantasy football, but that has nothing to do with what I'm talking about here. He hasn't asked me to do this. Um, one of the things that I really, really like about uh, Sitebulb is that it gives you this list of issues uh, that are really, really good. And often I'll find things in this list that I hadn't found in my regular check. So we actually run Sitebulb. This probably seems counterintuitive, but we run it after we've already done our regular audit. Uh, and we're like, okay, what have we missed? You know, what can we pick up here? And we almost always find technical issues that can be addressed by running Sitebulb. So it uh, would be interesting to see, you know, whether this audits tab in right in the in Chrome um, actually replaces some of these tools. We'll see. Let's talk about the Better Business Bureau. Now, this could be a whole podcast episode on its own, so I'm going to try not to go into crazy detail. If you're interested in what I'm talking about here, I actually wrote a very long blog post on this. Uh, if you go to my blog, mariehaines.com slash slash blog. Um, you know, as of November, mid-November, it's the first uh, post that you'll see there. And all of this plus significantly more is in this post. So here's why this discussion came up. When the August 1st update hit and I said that this is primarily about trust, I really felt like Google was trying to demote websites that users uh, perhaps didn't trust. One of the things that came up, and I, I feel like I've talked about this in every single podcast episode, so I'm not going to go into great detail, is Dr. Axe. And Dr. Axe, who appears to have good expertise, authoritativeness, and trust, good EAT, saw massive drops on August 1st, even more drops September 27th, and continues to drop with almost every quality update we see. 
And uh, one of the things that we noted was that his Better Business Bureau listing had an F rating. And there was a big red warning across the listing that said, uh, you know, people are having a hard time getting refunds from this company. It was basically saying, do not buy from this company. And so um, subsequently, Dr. Axe has uh, been able to get that BBB listing removed. And uh, nothing has changed in terms of rankings just yet. Um, the BBB listing now has a different company name. And uh, they're just starting to collect some reviews. But I can see that they're trying to repair the problems that are, are there. Now, let's take a step back. Why did I think that this BBB listing had something to do with their drop? And um, the reason why I think this is because it's in several places in the quality raters guidelines. So the guidelines, again, these guidelines are meant to instruct Google's quality raters on how to determine whether a website is high quality or not. And the guidelines do not say that a high BBB rating means that this is a high quality site. But they do say that a very low BBB rating is a sign of low reputation. And if you have low reputation, that's a sign of a low quality website, which means that Google does not want to rank you well. So um, what I did before I was writing this article was I went through a whack of BBB profiles and looked to see, is there a correlation between sites that had a bad profile and whether or not they dropped with a quality update? And in many cases, that was true but not in all cases. So there were quite a few sites that I saw that actually had bad BBB profiles, um, but didn't see a drop with the August 1st update or September 27th. So what am I saying here? And I know this sounds confusing because I almost sound like I'm contradicting myself. I'm saying that I believe that the BBB, if you have it in your area, is something you should definitely pay attention to. If you have a low BBB rating, it usually means that there is a, a significant problem with your business. Now, sure, I'm sure that there is a way to negative SEO people and try to give them a low BBB rating. But my point that I'm trying to make here is I don't think that Google has a line in the algorithm that says if your BBB rating is low, then your rankings must also be low. You know, I don't think it's as black and white in that as that. I do think they look at that, but I think that they look at hundreds of signals across the web. And so most of the time, so going back to Dr. Axe, if you look at, uh, I mean, BBB is just one thing, but there are tons of reviews everywhere. There's reviews on Amazon, on uh, like all sorts of sites of people saying, look, I had trouble with this company. So whether or not Google is actually using the BBB information in their algorithms, I can't tell you 100%. My gut instinct is that it's a very heavy signal. Now, people, when I'm bringing this up, are saying, well, what about I live in the UK and the BBB really isn't a big deal in the UK? Well, I think that Google probably looks at what are the websites that um, people use in order to determine whether they trust a business. And maybe in the UK, it's Trustpilot. The point is, if you have an overwhelmingly negative reputation online, I think you're going to find it hard to rank well. The quality raters guidelines also say that if you are a business that's your money or your life, meaning that you know you take people's money or you help people make important life decisions, and you don't have an external, a lot of external reputation information, 
that you're probably not deserving to rank well. So it's not enough to just not have complaints, but you actually really should have people raving about your business online everywhere. So, um, you know, should you be paying for the BBB? No, I don't think you have to. I mean, unless it makes sense for your business. I do think that there are people um, in some industries who would say, yeah, this business is BBB accredited and this one's not. And so it might make sense for a business standpoint to actually pay for BBB accreditation. Um, but paying for the a BBB listing is not going to improve your rankings. Um, I'm almost 100% sure on that. That said, I think we all need to be paying attention. One of the things that the BBB says is often their reasoning for a low rating is because there's complaints that have not been responded to. So if you have complaints on the BBB, take time to respond to them. Um, you know, you don't have to completely suck up to the people, but you have to do something to say, I'm aware of your complaint. We're making steps to fix the problem. Okay, um, so I'm not going to go much more on that. Uh, again, I wrote, I've written an article on... Uh, um, quite a bit more about, you know, why do we even pay attention to the information in the quality raters guidelines? And so um, I would um, encourage you to find that article on the BBB and uh, and leave a comment. You know, if you disagree with me, I'd, I'd love to hear that. That's, uh, that's a good thing. I like to have good... Um, mature disagreements online. Uh, we, you know, I'm, I'm digressing a bit here too, but most of you know at this point we have eight of us in our office that are actively working on site reviews every day. And so before we published this article on the BBB, we had a good thorough discussion with, you know, some of my staff bringing up things that said, well, you know, maybe this isn't true, you know, maybe this. And, and so we, I actually greatly modified my article before publishing it because uh, I got the opinion of many other people. Granted, these are people who work for me, so you know a lot of our opinions were the same. But uh, it's good to have good uh, discussion and still respect each other, um, you know, on things like this. Going back to the search results, Dr. Pete from Moz uh, has noticed that there was an increase in people also ask boxes in the search results. Probably not a huge deal, but I do think that some sites could see a drop in traffic because of this, uh, because that might be stealing clicks from uh, that were going to go to your website. Um, and uh, we've talked before about you know getting into the people also ask boxes, very similar to trying to win featured snippets. And uh, so that's you know if you're noticing that you're losing clicks and the there's new people also ask boxes in your search results, then you probably want to focus on trying to win more featured snippets, trying to make your pages so that uh, it very clearly answers people's questions in a way that Google would happily grab as a featured snippet. Uh, and in most cases, if you can do that, you're going to see an improvement in, uh, in traffic. Um, it looks like Google is still working on this issue with Google News and some sites having trouble getting indexed in Google News. I feel like I heard Barry Schwartz say on Friday that Google has fixed that. Uh, at the time when I published the newsletter early on Friday, it was still an issue. So we'll keep uh, an ear out for that and keep reporting back on that for you. I thought it was pretty cool. Uh, Danny Sullivan from Google tweeted this picture of a whole bunch of the uh, Google team actually talking about um, the suggestions that users like us have made. Uh, and so, um, you know, that's pretty cool. I, I think that, uh, so apparently they received over 250 comments and uh, the teams are going over these comments and talking about how can we make the search results different uh, in order to actually help more people. So that's kind of cool to hear that uh, Google is doing that. A little bit of news on AMP. Uh, I thought this had happened already, but apparently I'm uh, way ahead of my time. <laughs> um, 
So Google is um, apparently with Chrome 71 is going to make it so that URLs uh, that normally would AMP URLs that normally would be served from Google.com now uh, actually show the publisher's URL. I'm not going to go into great detail on that because I know some of you, your your uh, eyes just sort of glossed over. AMP is a complicated thing to understand. Um, but if this is something that affects you, then you can do a little bit more reading. I've, uh, I've linked to um, information on Search Engine Roundtable uh, that has more info on that for you. Those of you who are using rel equals preload, now I feel like this is an area where I need to have more knowledge. Um, from what I understand, preload is a way that, uh, just like it sounds, you can preload your page uh, so that it takes uh, less time for it to actually load once uh, a user lands on it. Um, and so this example that Andy Davies gave in Twitter uh, was a site that was preloading their uh, autoplay videos, which meant that nothing loaded after the autoplay videos, which meant that actually it slowed down the page. So if you're using preload, you definitely want to be testing things to make sure that it's helping you and not hurting you. A neat tweet by William Harvey uh, talking about uh, how Google indexes JavaScript. And again, this can get super complicated, but what you need to know is that um, Googlebot, they crawl the page and then they index what they can without rendering your JavaScript. So if you have a ton of content that is dependent on JavaScript in order to be seen, then Google's not going to actually factor that into their ranking decisions until sometime later. Uh, and so um, they what they do is they add the uh, information that needs to be rendered, so the JavaScript that needs to be kind of figured out, they add that to a queue, and then eventually it gets rendered, and then the next time Google crawls your page, uh, assuming that that has already been rendered by Google, then they can factor in that information. My point in saying all of this is not to say don't use JavaScript, but to know that I think it's probably going to take a bit longer for those pages to rank properly. Um, and there are other issues. I'm going to talk in a little bit more about uh, a cool thing where somebody removed some JavaScript and saw some improvements. Um, you know, just be really careful with JavaScript. It's it's cool in some cases because you can do some pretty neat things to make your page look more modern and people interact with it more. But if you're not sure what you're doing, it can really slow things down and, and even cause problems with indexing. So you really want to be careful with that. There's an interesting discussion on Twitter as to whether or not your logo should be in an H1 tag. To me, this seems like a no-brainer. However, some of the people talking about this are very smart people who have been around SEO and the internet for a long time. And, uh, and so I, um, you know, really would say that it doesn't make sense to me to have more than one H1 tag on a page. Um, and so if you're wrapping your logo in an H1, you know what, probably it doesn't matter. Uh, but I wouldn't say that it's a, a best practice to do that. Somebody else also asked John Mueller whether it was okay to have copied legal disclaimers and privacy policies on your page. So most of us who have a privacy policy, you pr <laughs> apology, that's funny, a privacy policy, you probably copied it from somewhere else. And that's totally okay. Um, I think the concern here is people are thinking, well, it's duplicate content. 
when Google has issues with a site having duplicate content, it's always because it's done on a massive scale. If you have a privacy policy page that is duplicated from somewhere else, that's not going to cause you a penalty. Um, if you have 80% of your content is copied from other sources, then that's the type of duplicate content that you need to take issue with. Um, so, uh, and one thing I would add to this is I would make sure that Google can actually see those pages. I know some people put a no index tag on them uh, because they're copied content. The thing is that the Quality Raiders guidelines talk about the importance of having a terms and conditions page of people being able to find refund information. So if uh, you're trying to hide that stuff from Google, that's probably not a good idea. I can't prove that Google looks at this algorithmically, but uh, I really think that there's no harm in making sure these pages are indexed. Um, you know, and who knows, maybe a user is trying to find your privacy policy and doing Google searches. It's a good thing to allow people to, uh, to see. A neat little tip from Ross Hudgens. He said the squoosh.app uh, is something that's pretty cool that allows you to optimize images uh, without sacrificing quality. So that's something that we'll probably be looking into soon. Um, there was some information on disavowing that we put in the newsletter where somebody asked John Mueller whether uh, you would see an immediate ranking benefit from filing a disavow. So this is kind of a multi-part question, right? Because the question is, number one, will you see a benefit? And number two, uh, is it going to be immediate? And so what John said is, uh, uh, let's see here, we process both. Oh, uh, yeah, that part doesn't matter. Um, but he said there's no immediate ranking response to be expected for submitting a disavow file. Now, is John saying that disavowing is not going to help us? Or is he saying if, if it is going to help us, it's not going to help us immediately? I think it's a little bit of both. Um, I think that most sites do not need to file a disavow. In the newsletter, I gave an example of some analytics from a site where we filed a disavow, and within a couple of months, the site started, started to see massive improvements. And we didn't make any changes in site quality for this site. So, uh, you know, I do think for some sites, uh, it really can be helpful. Um, but again, and I feel like a broken record because I've said this in pretty much every episode, you only want to file a disavow if you have a history of making links just for SEO. If you're seeing, you know, spam links that somebody else has pointed at your site, or, um, you know, you're seeing just weird keyword image directory type links, then don't worry about those. Uh, you know, th th that's not what Google wants to demote sites for, but they are not happy when people are trying to manipulate the search results through links. So those are the types of links that you need to disavow. Those of you who are using a GDPR plugin for WordPress, uh, there's one called the GDPR Compliance Plugin. Apparently, there's a big security hole in that. Uh, so you might want to look into updating that plugin uh, with the proper, um, uh, the most recent uh, update. And I think that should fix things for you. And speaking of WordPress, the Gutenberg editor, editor is coming out soon uh, with WordPress 5.0. And this seems like one of those things that very few people are paying attention to, but I think it's actually really significant. This new editor, so most of us who use WordPress are used to the uh, tiny MCE editor. Um, and uh, now it's going to be more like um, 
a block. You drag a block in and, and, uh, and then you can put rich media in. And, and it's kind of, I think it sounds like a great thing. The problem is that it's potentially going to break a lot of sites. So if you update to WordPress 5.0 uh, and your site is very old, it's possible that you might have problems. So I, you know, I don't have a fix for this. I think it's something that um, I believe that you can, uh, you, there's a way that you can test how your site is going to work with um, the new Gutenberg editor. editor. So I would recommend that uh, everybody try that because, um, you know, I think a lot of sites are going to be seeing some issues uh, and that's going to be a real headache to, to clean up. So um, that's something to keep uh, an eye out for. I really love this tweet by Justin Briggs. Uh, he said, I switched product detail pages from tabbed jQuery design uh, so to a vertically long page with headings. So let's talk about what that means. jQuery is a framework for JavaScript. Um, and I, you know, it's very easy to learn jQuery. I actually know a good amount of jQuery. Uh, and it allowed me to make, uh, years ago, I made a quiz called mytrafficdropped.com. And uh, the jQuery allowed me to hide the answers and then display them once you'd actually uh, answered your question. And uh, it was pretty cool, the things that I could do with jQuery. Um, and so a lot of sites will use jQuery to hide things behind tabs. And then, uh, you know, when the user clicks on the tab, it's available. So this page, I asked Justin afterwards whether it had been moved to mobile first indexing. And he said, yes, it had. So Google has said that content behind tabs is not... Um, a problem with once you've been moved to mobile first indexing. When you're still on desktop indexing, Google treats that content with lower priority, but it's supposed to be all the same with mobile first indexing. So if that's true, then this switch that Justin made really shouldn't have made much of a difference. And according to Justin, and he showed some uh, year over year Google Analytics data, traffic jumped up 61% and uh, added up to an extra 900,000 visits over the year for this client. So um, what he's saying is he took stuff out from behind tabs that were hidden with jQuery and made it all one long page. And that's what we've been advising people in our site quality reviews for some, some, some time now. Uh, and we've seen some really good improvements too in doing that. So that's probably the best tip of this uh, episode for you uh, because it's it's really something that um, you're going to have a fight between your designer and your SEO whenever you, you want to do this because, I mean, designers usually love tabs. It's a good way to, it kind of makes sense for users, but uh, for now, having all of this content in long form is probably the best idea. All right, so we've got a few more things here. Um, let's, we'll skip over a few. There's If you're a paid member of the newsletter, there's a ton of tips that uh, I'm not including in this podcast just because we're already at the 30-minute mark here. So you can uh, find the newsletter at mariehaines.com slash newsletter. One cool tip, though, somebody asked whether it's possible to hide just one part of a page from Google. Uh, and John Mueller said that that's very challenging. He said there are ways you can do it with JavaScript and with maybe iframes, um, but generally it's not recommended. Now, the person who was asking this, I believe what they were asking was they had content from reviews and they wanted to have 
they realized that that was duplicate content across a number of pages. And again, this is not going to cause a problem. If you have chunks of content that are on, so let's say you had like testimonials that are on hundreds of pages of your site, um, Google will just treat that as part of the boilerplate content of your site. And provided that pages actually have their own good, unique, and helpful content alongside that duplicate content, you're going to be fine. Um, so it's pretty rare that you'd want to hide, in my opinion anyways, just some portion of a page from Google seeing it. Um, Google My Business has launched a new app. I haven't played around with it, but I've heard some good feedback from it. So if you're in local SEO, that's something to look into. Somebody asked uh, on Twitter whether you should abandon an established website to use a Google Business site. So those of you who have a small business, there's a good chance that you've received this email from Google. I think they started a couple years ago where they basically said, hey, we can create a website for you um, and it's very e easy to use. You can customize it. There's tons of things you cannot do with this website. It's actually not very SEO friendly. Um, and so the reason why I bring it up is that uh, if you have no website, the Google business website is better than nothing. But if you already have an established website, then do not switch to the Google business website. Uh, it's not something that I would recommend. Google My Business announced that they have more staff now to take on support requests. And so we've been seeing a lot of people are tweeting at Google My Business. Uh, the Twitter handle is Google My Biz, B-I-Z. <laughs> I'm Canadian, B-I-Z. Um, and so if you have a question for Google My Business, they seem to be pretty responsive. And uh, that's a pretty exciting thing. Um, the other thing, so Joe Youngblood actually tweeted at Google My Business asking whether our insights, uh, we'd be able to see them over a longer period of time. Because right now you can see like one month or uh, one quarter um, and that's about it. So uh, initially Google My Business said, sorry, no, we're not going to do that. And then they tweeted back saying, apologies, we misspoke. It's not that there's no intention to do that. The feedback's being reviewed by the team. Um, so that's something that hopefully we'll get in the future. I really would like to see uh, some of that information is quite helpful. Um, and so I'd like to see more insights on Google My Business uh, there as well. I think we'll end it at there at that point. Some interesting things in the local SEO portion of my newsletter uh, that talk about some businesses uh, getting hijacked by previous employees and some tips on what not to do there. So you might want to take a look at that. There's also a ton of recommended reading in this episode. Um, there's been some really, really good articles that my team and I have uh, summarized for you in the newsletter. Um, so I will report back next week for you with uh, hopefully information on this latest algorithm update. And, um, you know, I think things are sort of gearing up now for the Christmas season. So we're trying to get stuff done so we can actually take a bit of time away from doing reviews over the actual um, week between Christmas and New Year's. Uh, we'll see how that goes. Um, so with that, I'll leave you and I wish you the best of luck with your rankings this week. And hopefully we'll talk soon.